Hello, and welcome back to Lost in Citations, our regular podcast where we speak to the producers of interesting content and see if we can learn a little bit more about their background. Joining us today is Michael Hofmeyer, who is a faculty member from the University of Osaka. Very nice to speak to you today, Michael. Uh, thank you, Chris. Very uh, thank you very much for inviting me, and I'm happy to uh, speak to you today about my research. So the paper we're going to be speaking about today is Attitudes Towards Digital Game-Based Language Learning Among Japanese uh, University Students. And, and I have to admit, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a gamer myself. Um, and uh, when I read, just reading the title, I didn't really know what type of information might be included in it. So could you give us some background to it? What made you interested in this topic? And and what's the what's the elevator pitch for this type of um, language teaching? So, uh, so basically, I got interested in this topic because I was searching for a PhD topic. And my background is in uh, is in linguistics and literature and uh, sociology. So I've got all of these different fields uh, for, for my for my undergraduate and my master's studies. And I never really looked at uh, I, I never really studied applied linguistics at all uh, prior to my PhD. And um, but then I got a job teaching teaching language at a university in Japan. I've been working in this field. Uh, for a few years, and I've been been doing some research just basically related to my teaching. And I thought, well, uh, I'd like to do a PhD, and um, so so I, I'd like to 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 dive into this a little bit uh, more deeply. And I I started looking around at what other people were publishing and and uh, trying to find a suitable supervisor for my project. And then I came across uh, uh, Mark Peterson at uh, Kyoto University, who's uh, who's from Scotland originally, but he's been in Japan for a long time. And well, we he's won't also... hold that against him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's uh, yeah he's been working in this field of of looking at uh, not just games but virtual uh, virtual worlds and online simulations and also games and uh, what, what potential there is in, in these areas for, for language learning. And, and I thought his research looked very interesting. And I started reading some of his papers. And uh, then I visited his website, and I saw that he was a recruiting PhD student. So, so basically, it's through, through finding the supervisor that I, that I got interested in, in this field. That's a very interesting point, because um, I, I've, I've heard the story told uh, many different ways. But it always usually comes down to wanting to uh, find a supervisor for your PhD. So mm. some people choose the university, some people choose the field, some people choose the supervisor. Um, and oftentimes when you get lucky, you can get all three. Um, and was there anything about game-based language learning? I mean, are you someone who enjoys game-based uh, activities? Are these things that you'd used in your classroom before uh, that kind of drew you to this topic? Uh, well, I, um, I, I, play, I play, played games when I was a teenager. I was kind of, uh, they had all sorts of geeky hobbies and, and uh, computer games were uh, one of these hobbies. And um, and I played games in foreign languages when I was a kid, and I mm, thought it was mm. great for language learning. So it's from personal experience that I thought, wow, this you know, like this works. And it, it's uh, also also these games. A lot of games are very social, right? Like mm. they're online games, and they they're made to be cooperative, and they're made to throw you into uh, an activity with a lot of other people, and you have to communicate to succeed at the activity in many of these games. 
Um, so, so, so I, I practiced foreign languages in that way, and I think it helped me a lot when I was uh, when I was younger. And um, so that 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 made me interested as well in this field. And in terms of in terms of using games in the classroom, I think it's not really such a revolutionary idea. I mean, we play quiz games and all sorts of games. But my first job in Japan was to work uh, as an ALT or an assistant language teacher uh, right, at a high yeah. school. And I mean, we had all sorts of games that we that we played in class because we tried to make the, class, the activities engaging and interesting for the students. And uh, and in the in the in the Japanese classroom context, when you when you when you uh, when the students study a foreign language, often it's uh, it's very much you know grammar translation. They practice sentence patterns, and it's very dry and dull, and not very exciting. So um, so the ALTs try to try to bring some life into it by having competitions and games. And so I think I think coming from this background, I thought well, uh, digital games that have the same sorts of dynamic mm -hmm. and that have nice you know, uh, engaging graphics or or or, uh, or a premise such as uh, diffusing a time bomb uh, would engage students more to participate, right? And would get them excited and, well, and would get them speaking in English if the if the task elicits uh, a language, uh, which I thought would be a good thing. Well, we'll get to the time bomb of it all in a moment, but I I uh, I I. I... Uh, I know you are also the proud father of two children. I, I have two children myself, um, and we uh, and I was very much in the area. Of, we should buy games um, that they can play. So like, they like Uno. Yeah, uh, Uno was a good start, and then um, <clears throat> we uh, moved on to Guess Who. Um, but I, I like your comment about the uh, about the set phrases because my youngest is a bit of a smart ass. So when we were playing Guess Who, instead of saying it, "Does he wear a hat?" Um, he would just go, "Hat," and they're like, "No, yeah, you have to you have to say the phrase." And it's like, "Well, Mendokusai, that's really boring." <laughs> and so, <laughs> so uh, that was that was one of my earlier experiences uh, with that. Although my eldest son did work out um asking question asking gendered questions like is he wearing a hat all right and i might say yes he is and then he just flipped down all the the female characters ah. so like a, a, a snuck question in there so i was like I, I I don't know if I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but I, I did find that with the game activity in my class as well, that the students would, you know, obviously the focus is more on from, from their perspective while they're playing the game. The focus is to mm -hmm. have fun and to communicate meaning, not necessarily to uh, to to use as much language as as possible, right? Or, or use right. Uh, language that's as, uh, that uh, is likely to 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 improve their uh, their uh, grasp of the of the vocabulary and grammar structures and so on. So they would quickly find out what's the most sort of time efficient way to uh, to give the answer. And yeah, so often that would just be one word or two words rather than making a full sentence. So, so that is a potential problem you can run into, especially if the if there's an incentive to 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 work as fast as possible uh, to solve the puzzles. Well, that that was one of the questions. We we'll get to that because that's one of the questions about the um, utilitarian nature of some of the vocabulary and some of the grammar and syntax that might be used. But could you give us some uh, background? The, the game that you used was called keep talking and nobody explodes that's right could you explain that game to people who had have never heard of it before which included me uh, <laughs> before this weekend so it's uh i would say it's it's 
quite a popular game. It's, it's, it came out, I think, 2015, so it's been out for a couple of years. And um, the, it's, so, so, so it's sort of a part of a trend. It's kind of a new genre of game where you uh, cooperate with other players. So it's a multiplayer game, but uh, it's meant to be played face to face, right? So rather than oh, if right. maybe other popular games like World of Warcraft, for example, where you have thousands of players playing together in the same game world, uh, players are not in the same room, right? Mm. And this is what multiplayer games have mostly been like for 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 the past two decades or so. But uh, but uh, some more independent developers have started experimenting with other types of cooperative games, and this uh, this type of uh, they call it an asymmetric uh, co-op co game where different players have access to different information. Mm. Uh, so in this case, you have a time bomb on the screen when so it could be a tablet screen or a computer screen and the one player or the one group of players might look at the at the screen and the other the other players have access to a manual for diffusing time bombs and uh, basically the bomb has a lot of different types of puzzles on it and mm. um the manual has the solutions to these puzzles and this in effect creates a, an information gap between the two groups and um, they have to communicate with each other in order to share the information that will help them collaboratively uh, co collaboratively uh, diffuse the, the bomb. And there's also usually a five-minute uh, uh, time limit on each bomb. So mm. if you don't solve all of the puzzles in five minutes, the bomb explodes and you lose and you have to try again. Um, so, so I thought, well, this actually you need to use language to communicate and there's quite a lot of variety of different types of puzzles and um i thought the the whole setup is actually quite reminiscent of uh of an information that gap uh, task in uh, right. in the task based language learning paradigm or in that sort of pedagogy uh so i thought well this is this would um be potentially a good way and a fun way for students and an engaging way to to practice producing language while focusing on meaning uh, which could uh, which could be beneficial for 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 second language acquisition. And uh, at the point I started this research, nobody had yet uh, seriously, or oh, nobody had, had produced any sort of systematic analysis of the language mm. learning benefits mm. that may result from playing this kind of game. Um, so I thought that would be a, that would be an interesting project to work on. Now, before we get to the to the uh, results that you that you found, um, I just want to touch on the, the topic of the time limit, yeah. um, because I have had conversations in the past with um, colleagues uh, when it comes to activities in classrooms or activities um, for research purposes who feel that putting uh, artificial constraints onto students to complete a certain task uh, increases the amount of stress mm. that they feel uh, in the classroom, they might feel that their grade is connected to the completion of the task, or if they, you know, fail to complete it, that they're going to receive a a, a lower, um, uh, a lower score uh, mm. for things like participation and things in the class. Uh, did you receive any criticisms based on on that point? Uh, the reason I asked the question is because uh, I in reading your paper, I, I thought this was a really interesting activity to do. But of course, I don't want to recommend it to other people if there was um, something, or we can recommend it to others um, with an improvement based on your experience. Was there any negative feedback based on the stress or the type of activity they were doing? 
uh, well, the whole idea of uh, of uh, of making you know putting putting time pressure on students and and, and making uh, adding 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 stress to the activity. Um, I think I think it's it's kind of a controversial area, or maybe it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you have a lot of people saying, I think the mainstream view in applied linguistics is everything should be, you know, students should be relaxed, they should be comfortable, they should, uh, otherwise it will increase the anxiety and anxieties uh, linked to less effective learning, right, or efficient learning. Yeah. But I think there's a flip side to that because I'm I've been teaching uh, presentation and debate. And of course, these activities are quite high pressure activities, right? Mm -hmm. And I, so I think it depends very much if the students are already at at an intermediate or an upper intermediate level. I think they can actually benefit from from being placed under a little bit of stress. And also, you're simulating a, to some extent a, re, a real world environment. And in in the real world, you can't just take however long you want to take to to formulate what you want to say or to articulate what you want to say, right? You you are under placed under 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 time pressures. Uh, well, exactly. Uh, who, who among us hasn't in our professional lives been required to defuse a bomb? Exactly. Well, maybe not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that 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 scenario. But um, but yeah, I, I, I just just with my other with my other um, experiences teaching, uh, you know, speaking skills in an academic context, uh, specifically with uh, 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 presentations, formal presentations, seminar discussions, debates. Uh, I thought time pressure was quite a good thing, and it it uh, encouraged the students to produce uh, to, to 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 think quickly on their feet and to produce uh, the best they can in a limited amount of time, which I think is a useful skill in general. Uh, well, I, just... I, I I liked the I, I, personally I, yeah. I did like the 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 element of challenge that's in there, and so long as students see it as a challenge rather than a Exactly, because because yeah. this is a the, because this is a game activity as well, right? Which mm -hmm. which was basically the first time I, I really did this game, and this project was the first time I experimented with bringing digital games into the classroom. And I think for for games, students are used to. But we're in Japan, and and among the younger generation, most people are quite used to playing games, right? Or at least some forms mm -hmm. of digital games. And they used to they used to performing under time pressure when you're playing a digital game, right? Um, um, uh, so, so I think frustration is a, a good thing, right? If you, to an extent, right? So, so if you, if the game is too easy, it's not fun, right? If there's no challenge, it's not fun and it's not engaging and students lose, quickly lose interest. If it's too hard, it becomes too frustrating and then students give up. So you have to find that sort of golden mean, right? You have to find the, 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 the right balance between too frustrating and too easy. And that way, if it's a pleasant sort of frustration, and you feel like you graduate, you you make little bits of progress, and then you're a little bit frustrated again, but then you overcome mm. that frustration. That's where the fun comes from, I think, from playing games. That'll be a really good title for a, a book about doing a PhD: pleasant frustration. <laughs> yes. The, <laughs> the uh, uh, so yeah, no, I I agree with you about the challenge and about the uh, putting those kind of. Uh, kind of constraints in there but uh, making it clear that uh you know that the outcome of the lesson was not intended to be completing the task but at the process of it not the product i i, sh I should also mention that that none of these games activity none of these game activities uh have influenced the students grades at all for my course so this was uh it wasn't it wasn't the main activity for the course the main if i i added it as a sort of a fluency building activity uh, for the last 20 or 30 minutes of class time uh, after doing our regular 
group discussion and, and presentation activities. So, so was, I, it, it didn't didn't begin with like, uh, okay, this is the final test. You're in <laughs> you're in Shibuya. There's an IED. <laughs> uh, so uh, but to get on to some of the results of because uh, you, you touched on this before but i wanted to get into this because uh this is one of the pushbacks i think that uh we get from perhaps more traditionally um trained language teachers when it mm. comes to some of these different uh, activities and, and what you found was that uh the attitudes of the students that they were learning grammar and vocabulary went down but that their attitude towards assisting them in their fluency and listening went up. Mm. Um, do you think this is because it was more of a game activity than an academic one? And do you see any potential problems in recommending these activities in classrooms uh, where the focus might be more on grammar and vocabulary? Obviously, fluency, giving students mm. confidence, and you know, interacting with each other. We, we can we can see and we could predict that that would be one of the outcomes of playing uh, uh, playing this type of activity or playing games. Um, do you think? What do you attribute this to? And uh, would it uh, affect your uh, intent on recommending this in other classrooms? Okay, so so in the in this paper, I. I only looked at uh, the students' attitudes, right, towards mm. learning with digital games. So for the for the for the PhD project, I most of the project actually focused on measuring learning outcomes or looking for evidence of uh, acquisition of vocabulary and the grammatical structures uh, through and negotiation for meaning and these types of uh, processes. Um, from yeah, we get it. We get it. We get it. So that's okay. Okay. In any case, that was that was that. We'll get onto that. We'll get onto that later. And then, and then, um, so for this paper, it was just on attitudes, right? That I that I that I that I was interested in. So I wanted firstly, I wanted to know before before the students did any kind of game activity in class, just what were their feelings and what were their attitudes towards uh, towards using games for learning, not just inside the classroom but also outside the classroom. And um, then I thought, well, it would be interesting. It would also be interesting to to have them do the uh, a game based activity in class for for six weeks. And then um, after six weeks, hopefully, the, if there was any kind of novelty effect, uh, that would have worn off after after six weeks. And then I'd survey them again and just ask them the same questions about their general attitudes towards uh, learning with digital la learning languages with digital games and see if uh, if. Uh, their attitudes were at all influenced by by this activity um and so as you said i found that i so okay so i asked them questions about uh sort of their general attitude how did they feel about the idea of using games for language learning and then i asked them more specific questions as well um about whether they think it's effective for language learning can you can you actually learn new words and new uh new uh, grammatical patterns and so on through uh through um or maybe improved pronunciation uh through uh these activities and then i asked them questions about the efficiency do you think this works better and faster than traditional classroom activities for example uh and then i also asked them about the enjoyability do you think this is a, a means of you know if you would that be something that you'd keep doing for a long time without losing interest? And do you think you'll find it enjoyable and so on? And then in addition to that, I asked them questions about, do you think 
games could be useful for learning uh you know vocabulary would games be useful for learning grammar would games be useful for improving your fluency would games be useful for improving your speaking uh, reading uh, listening writing skills and so on right so all of the sort of components of a second language uh that you want to uh, learn when you when you're learning a new language and um so then as you said i found that the students at the beginning Overall, the the results showed that they were that they already felt very positive, right, towards uh, using games for language learning before I even uh, introduced the games in the classroom. And I should also add that the surveys were anonymous, right? So they, uh, I, I tried to mitigate any risk of the students trying to please me and giving me the answers that they thought I was looking for. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I was I was quite surprised because I'm at a, a academically quite high level university, so I thought, oh, well, the students might be quite conservative and not really trust any any learning approach that seems like it might be too much fun um but but yeah back. overall the, it was it was very positive already the, the feelings towards uh how useful games could be for improving second language skills and then uh so after the activity after the six weeks i surveyed them again and then the results looked a little bit different in fact it was more positive in general than it was uh than it was before the activity but uh, in terms of how useful um, the, the activity was, or uh, I didn't ask them about the specific game we played, right? I asked them about uh, how useful games in general would be for learning these different language skills. And then after the activity, uh, they said uh, that the scores for usefulness for speaking was significantly higher mm. than it had been before the activity. But the score for a usefulness for a learning grammar and vocabulary was lower. Uh, now, I, I mean, you said you said that you uh, the results were collected anonymously. Yeah. Um, but you also mentioned, I mean, uh, for those who don't know, Osaka University is uh, a pretty high level university uh, here in Japan, uh, probably top five. Yeah. Might we say? Um, so, even though they were anonymous, do you think that that any of the results that you got from that might be related to the fact that they would prefer to have the students would prefer to have more kind of traditional what they would expect language activities in their classrooms or do you think that was just a, a genuine reaction to what they'd been doing um I mean the 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 well I I'll get to the maybe I should I should talk about the open ended the answers okay, to the open ended yeah. questions as well because I think that that <clears throat> helps to shed light on this because it was a little bit difficult to interpret at the end of the day the mm. findings that or that 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 I got from this the result I, I should I should just say just to finish answering your previous question I think that the reason I got those specific answers that um, that um, students thought it would be more useful for speaking than they did before and less useful for learning grammar and vocabulary than they did before the activity. I think that's just because of my choice of the specific game that focused more on speaking and less right, on right. learning useful vocabulary. And right. if I had chosen Duolingo or some other gamified language learning flashcard system or something, uh, then I think the results would have probably looked very different. So I, I think this is probably just a result of uh, the specific game that I chose and the fact mm -hmm. that it was maybe not so much a vocabulary learning game, but more of a fluency and a speaking speaking game. That's a, um, that's a very good, that's a that, yeah, astute analysis, I think. So, so yeah, then, uh, so as I said, the results, including for, uh, for efficiency, um, the, the findings were that the other students had very positive attitudes towards that. I think more on a scale from one to, to, to six, where six is, I strongly 
you know disagree that it's that it's at all useful uh to six b one being that it i disagree to the six being I, I strongly agree that it's that it's very useful um i think that the average was around five out of six for mm -hmm. efficiency right uh, after the activity so students have thought it was uh well it was a very at least according to this answer from from more than a which, which was the average for of more than 110 uh participants or respondents uh it sounded like it was very positive right students had a very positive attitude to and beliefs about uh, the potential of of uh these games to 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 improve uh, many of these aspects and in an in an efficient and effective way right of second language mm. acquisition but then with the open-ended questions i simply asked the students two questions at the end um you know what do you think are the main benefits and what do you think are the main disadvantages of usually using uh, digital games to learn a language and then in terms of uh, benefits I, the vast majority of students talked about enjoyability or engagement or motivation like it's it's something fun that they just want to keep doing and if it benefits their language learning then you know it's nice that it's fun because they'll keep doing it but for a disadvantage i think about 31 percent of the students uh, said in their answers, something that I thought was related to or the way I coded my answers, something that I thought was related to it's it's not very efficient or it's not very effective. So they seem to contradict the the answer mm. from the from this um from from the uh, survey questions, right? Uh, with these. and then then the, some of them wrote more detailed explanations and I got the feeling that that they they themselves feel or some of the students themselves feel conflicted about this and they they said things like well if you're having too much fun it takes your mind off the learning activity and then you're not really learning that's a very interesting take on it actually and and, and <laughs> that, that's useful that's really useful analysis when it comes to um uh task selection mm. in classrooms mm. uh it you almost have to disarm students to their preconceived notions of what an activity is yeah and then keep them distracted long enough <laughs> to do the thing do, do you know what I mean but while, uh, while they don't notice that they're actually learning yeah the, the idea that if I'm having fun laughing and, and chatting with my friends I'm not actually learning anything yeah um uh, and I found I think that hmm. idea is quite common in among university students in Japan or maybe, maybe in Japan just, what <laughs> who could have seen that one coming maybe but, it's just that the, I don't know if it's just that the more academically inclined universities or, uh, or I, th I think it's I think it's more in the in the area of expectation of what uh is going to happen in the classroom yeah so um uh, and also it it also comes down to them because I don't know if this is a just to check with you is this a like a required first year course yeah Right. So oftentimes, because all students are taking a course that could be termed like production or reception, oh, right. or then they they have friends in other classes that are ostensibly the same, but uh, obviously the selection of activities by different instructors ah, right. is different. So they might be saying, well what, "Well, what did you do in your production class?" Well, we we sat, we wrote for ninety minutes, and sen <laughs> sensei put these phrases up on the board, and we practiced them. Yeah. Like, what What did you do? Oh, we pissed around and played a game. <laughs> and and so and some of them could view that positively, or someone could view that, you know, relative to what other people were doing. Mm. Uh, negative. Did you get any any kind of that kind of feedback that they? Uh, 
that this didn't really fit with their expectations of what the course well, was I going think, to I be? Think I'm in the I'm in the pr privileged position of 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 being able to teach uh, all of the students in our in our in our uh, the cohort or in this group of because mm. I only teach the English majors, right? Mm. And um, and um, so so I think we yeah, and we've got about fifty students per academic year or sixty students per academic year. So basically, I, I just introduced this activity to all three of my groups of oh, okay. first year students and all three of my groups of second year students, which included. So they so they didn't have any 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 peers in the program who did anything else, right? Oh. <laughs> okay, well that well, well that then, then that's, that's just me projecting my uh, issues that I have with with my position here which but is then, where you, then, you might have yeah. 20 20 teachers within uh, the same department right. who are required so to teach a program. standard course yeah yeah um, that's a bit different yeah so i think i think I'm, I'm in a slightly privileged position to be able to to have it to have it set up that way and that made my data gathering easier but on the other hand of course i also didn't want the students to go and complain to to management that you know i'm doing the nonsense activities in the class and they you know i'm wasting their their time after they worked so hard to 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 pass the entrance exam and get into this university well that's why so, you have to slip them candy or cash at yeah some exactly point and just say don't <laughs> don't tell anybody so right. but i so what i did was i did a i did a pilot study the year before I collected this data, and I recruited uh, volunteers or mm. to to well, I, I paid them right to participate in uh, in uh, the pilot study, and then I had four groups of three students uh, just play the same game uh, over four sessions, and uh, yeah, basically I observed them, and that's that's the data that I used because so I used these as case studies, and I analyzed, I did a discourse analysis of the interactions, and then I looked for signs of uh, language acquisition, right, or of uh, of discourse strategies uh, and negotiation for meaning, and these things that they employed while speaking to each other, and that I could then say, well, this points to 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 language acquisition, or the, at least these types of types of interactions tend to facilitate language acquisition so well and we'll we'll get onto that uh next it's just uh i i know from past experience um and also from talking to other people uh on their uh on their phds when you're like okay what i'm gonna have to ask you to do i'm gonna ask you to sit in a room and play a game i'm gonna give you money <laughs> but trust me this is research yeah and so uh the so talk about the the wider implications like uh, to, to talk about the, the uh outcome of that study so uh, for your, your phd and the, the actual like control groups that you put together um were, were there any other findings because that that we can like pass on as uh you know positive messages to other people who might want to include these types of activities in their classrooms you mean uh you mean in terms of of of, of language acquisition outcomes well, uh, uh, anything, like not not just from because the the paper that we that we spoke about at the beginning yeah. was in students' attitudes, yeah. But in terms of uh, observable improvements in language uh, capability, was there was there, are there any positives that you can report so or negatives? So. So at first I thought, well, I do some sort of pre and a post test for my big groups, right? And then I can mm. do statistical analysis on this because I've got um, I've got 100 and more than 110 students to work with, so that that's a big enough group for uh, for 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 quantitative research. But then I, I ran into the obstacle while trying to design my studies uh, that 
to measure fluency, it's really difficult to to measure fluency objectively and to be, be, you know in a, the 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 types of well, I looked at other studies and mm. I couldn't really find a way that I thought would be meaningful for the uh, meaningful interpretation of the results that for my well, context. I, I mean, I, I, I mean the the usual the usual metrics, the usual you know global metrics for yeah. fluency are usual, usually like uh, words per minute, utterances per um per interlocutor per a certain amount of time um flow so the number of segments within a sentence that are being produced by an individual um what would be something else those are generally the the kind of global metrics of fluency but i also i don't know like i thought I so I so I considered maybe giving them it's a, a type of like IELTS type speaking test mm. before the activity. Then we do four sessions of activity and then do the speaking test again. But then I also thought four hours of gameplay. It's it's not it's not likely to uh, to to make a measurable improvement or in you know an well, IELTS. That, that test. might be an interesting way to go because the uh, the movement from like band five to band seven is the ability to produce uh to produce text without noticeable effort so yeah. as confidence improves effort level tends to go down mm. so that that might that might be a way to go yeah i was just i was i just felt that's a risky approach to take because because it, you know like if well I, I figured well if students play a game or games where they're social and they play for 100 hours over mm -hmm. the course of a semester, then you <clears throat> might see a measurable improvement in something if you if you measure just general fluency on an IELTS test or something similar. But I thought for four hours of play or six hours of yeah, play, it, might, it might be difficult I to go from go from no one band to another. Yeah, and no. then it's you know it would, it would be a lot of effort worth <laughs> for my research paper, right? So so I thought that maybe within the within the scope of this of this uh, project, I thought uh, or using a game in the class, I thought that's not really going to be produce a very interesting research paper. Uh, maybe, maybe, but of, of course, of course, uh, looking looking over students playing or having some sort of intervention, especially if it's I think outside of this classroom, we haven't really talked about that. But if they play if they play a game like this in a self access learning center, for example, in the Sol, right, right? right, and they play for you know social games or social co op games for two hours a week for a whole semester every week, then you can measure them beforehand and after again on standardized uh, tests of fluency and and i think then you might find interesting results and uh, so so that's definitely uh, another potential for research there um, well, i was i was going to i was going to bring up the the idea of a salk um because uh we actually have two on campus here at, at qdime and we we're right. setting up the second one over here in east zone um uh i was on the i was on the working group setting it up and even before I could recommend it, uh, the person who was in there as a manager had done some background research into uh, self-access learning centers. And she'd gone out and she'd bought uh, Guess Who, Settlers, mm. um, uh, uh, Carcassonne, and like these other kind of... Board games? Or... Yeah, board games. Card that, games, that were yeah. Already, yeah, that were already on the... Um, they were already on the, on the budget to purchase. So I yeah. think that uh game based um learning is certainly in the realm of the self access learning center mm. um uh 
in in classrooms and, and I think that students expect it I think that when they go in there they're like this is not going to be just there's going to be conversation there there's going to be theme-based activities but also they're going to have you know slightly non-traditional forms of interaction ways to generate mm. a communication um between students yeah so, so exactly um, so I'm not I'm not I mean, I my, myself, I'm not exactly sure if I want to replace a lot of my class activities with with games, right, or digital games. Um, mm. So I'm not I'm not really advocating through this research uh, that we should be replacing our traditional classroom activities and speaking activities with games. What? Um, Why did I invite you on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, like, I think. Um, yeah, so I mean, some it, dep it depends very much on what you're trying to achieve with your class, right? If your class is about about building fluency and building speaking skills, then a game, a game like the one that I uh, selected my for my research might be might be might be good. And then there are there are other types of simulation games, for example, or adventure games, story driven games that can also work in certain class environments. But I think in in general, a lot of these games would probably work better or or um would be more suited to a sort of a self-access uh, learning environment also when you have when you have games like the ones i chose where you have a group of people physically in the same room communicating mm -hmm. with each other i think um <clears throat> if they have native speakers of english or people who speak english as a second language but from from different countries um then then we, and you have peer learning but uh, you have then you're more likely to have people with different gaps in their knowledge of 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 the lexicon or the or the or the grammar or pronunciation, and then there's mm. more opportunity for the learners to learn from each other. So uh, so yeah, with, with with all sorts of dynamics there, where you can have international students participating as well with the student with the domestic students, and and I think that could be very productive and and uh, constructive as well for language uh, and fun for the students. Uh, so benefit their uh, oh. language uh, improvement. Overall, um, would you say that there's a particular skill um, that students improved by using these activities? Um, I, through reading your paper, I, I would guess that it was mostly in the area of when they, uh, when they became familiar with the activity that was required and mm. uh, the, the elements of it that they were going to be requested to, to do that um that confidence yeah exactly i think that's the highest yeah that's what that was what i was thinking as well you know like they, they focus on the meaning they focus on communicating something that's you know like not in the real world but that's that's there in front of them they have a they have a they have a clear aim they want to defuse this bomb before it explodes and they work in a group and it creates this kind of a group dynamic so they're really invested in it because they don't want to let down their teammates and it's a bit competitive as well right there are six different groups in the class and they're all defusing a bomb so each one is trying to see um you know how many bombs they can defuse and what's the highest level bomb they can reach because of course the game gets progressively more difficult as you solve more bombs right mm. uh, well as you as you defuse more bombs so uh so yeah the students found uh i think they're focusing on 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 communicating and on the meaning and i think uh, because they have to do this in a time limit and because they they you know everyone explodes the first time and then you try again and you might you might explode again but you might have solved more of the elements of the puzzle and then maybe the third or the fourth time you succeed 
and mm. then you gradually get better and better and everyone gets better and better right and and you can see the students you know they really really enjoyed it they you know they would start screaming or laughing um during the class and they, they were clearly enjoying themselves uh, they asked for more as well uh after the final <laughs> session um so yeah I, th I think it, it does, that kind of thing does build your confidence and it does show you well you don't necessarily have to you can make grammatical mistakes the accuracy you know it's also important but you have to find a good compromise and and it's okay if you make a couple of grammatical mistakes but you but you can convey your message and at the end of the day and i think that's a message that a lot of japanese first and second year english students uh, need need to have reinforced right that it's well, that it's about well, absolutely and I, I think I think the listeners to this um, to this podcast series over the last two and a half years will probably be very familiar with my approach to uh, language teaching and language learning, which is a, it is about the process and about mm. the, about the production and that uh, correctness, if if that's even if that's even a possibility, uh, it comes later uh, because mm. if there's if there's no if there's no content, then there can be no performance. Mm. So you try something, and then you you do, you you do your best with it. You get it across, and if it's successful, then that's a successful mm. interaction. And that's true whether you're in the classroom or whether you are on vacation in rural Idaho. If you manage mm. to get that sack of potatoes, you've been successful. It doesn't matter if the grammar was exactly correct. So, um. My kind of wider question is, are, are there any other types of, um, maybe not specific games, but like gamified activities that you mm. think would help across the spectrum in that the students would become more confident, their fluency would improve, but also for students who were concerned that they weren't improving their grammar and their vocabulary, um, would you recommend perhaps... Uh, that they go to the salk more often or that you set a a certain limit on the amount that they have to say so they can't just say single phrases because they know that that's what's going to diffuse the bomb as it were mm. um or stock phrases but they actually have to produce something slightly more like a, a, a different level of challenge that might incorporate more of um what students might feel is the more four skill um language lesson so that we can actually get the the fun and the enjoyment and the screaming and the laughing as you say but also give them the confidence that they've that they've had a, a an adequate language education yeah so i mean like games there are so many different kinds of games right and and say asking a question like are games good for learning or bad for learning it's kind of like asking are textbooks good for learning or bad for learning right it just well it, it really it, no, i i, the, I the, agree and i, I think content, I, I, right? I think that good and i think that good and bad are are, are incorrect um yeah. metrics for yeah. what it is uh it's uh efficacy and overall effectiveness Mm. So I, I I generally don't use textbooks in my courses to address that point. Um, but I have read hundreds of textbooks in the past, so I know the bits that work and the bits that don't. Yeah. And so I I tend to pick and choose and then I borrow the activities that fit uh the classroom. Mm. If I'm required to use a textbook, I I I have certain criteria for choosing which ones uh to to work with. Um okay, well. Maybe to rephrase the question, well, are, no, there, no, no. 
I'm not unhappy with your question. I was no, no, okay. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got, I've got, an, I've got an answer for you. I was just, uh, I, I, I just thought it would be would be good to make that to make that point in advance that there's a no, 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 just no, to contextualize, fine. Fine, yeah. right? Yeah. That there's that there's a lot of variety, and I mean, like games. I've, of course, some games will be if you, if you, if I have my students playing Candy Crush for ten hours, that's probably not going to help their language acquisition very much at all, right? But they're going to uh, crush a lot of candy. Yeah, exactly. They'll develop their candy. Uh, candy crushing skills but um okay so 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 i deliberately chose not to not to have any sort of focus on form activities right uh, so i i thought well I, i'm going to make this like a, like a task-based learning activity or information gap activity but um but take out the focus on form and just just have the focus on meaning right which is which is sort of a game in a naturalistic setting and my my reasoning for this was well most people don't use games in the classroom or even in the sulk most people play games at home for fun right and i think the vast majority of game-based language learning that happens happens in people's homes right when they play uh when maybe somebody in uh, i don't know Bangladesh or Korea, mm -hmm. they want to play this new game, and and the online communities playing this game mostly use English as a lingua franca. So they use English when they play the game, and they improve their English, right? You're and talking I, my language now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I think maybe not so much today as was the case ten or twenty years ago, because um, because the the market for video games have grow, has grown so much that these days it makes economic sense for the producers to just translate the games and have servers in Korea and have servers in China where people speak the local languages. So so maybe English is not so much a lingua franca of gaming as it as it used to be 10 or 20 years ago. But I think there's still there's still a lot of communities where people have to speak in their second language or foreign language to be able to participate. And I think that's a huge motivation uh, for people to, to, to just use the language uh, for, as a for, for their hobby basically right and and in that way that people people with this kind of hobby uh, at the end of the day manage to increase the 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 language uh, uh, proficiency very very substantially because of their participation in these communities right well um, i mean uh, if, if they're not if they're not learning it in english how are korean people going to learn how to ask people to make them sandwiches <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> no but i i the the uh, the, the the overall point being is that it, so you mentioned the idea of it being a hobby, yeah, and uh, uh, I, when students ask me, <clears throat> yeah, uh, at the end of the at the end of the semester, they'll come up and say, "I really want to in like, like over the summer or over this spring break or something like that." Yeah, I I want to keep working ah, right. on my language skills yeah and my recommendation to them is always choose the thing that you're interested in because if you're interested if you mm -hmm. like reading then read if yeah. you like like for example playing games or you like um watching youtube videos or something like that listening yeah. to uh you know historical videos or anything at all um do what you like because you're more likely to do it regularly and so regular use of language is far better than cramming yeah. you know uh, you know 10 minutes a day for a week is better than 1 hour the day before the test yeah um so would you say kind of to bring this interview to generally to a close uh, would you say that uh gaming whether it is in classroom even online or uh board games or things like that 
that this is something that you would recommend to students if it's something they're already interested in that you think will actually effectively improve their language skill yeah and again again it depends it depends on the type of games right like, answer I the think, question michael yeah yes okay yes with <laughs> okay. some qualifications <laughs> sure, if sure, it's sure. i think so social games like uh like online massively multiplayer online role-playing games specifically right like world of warcraft or mm -hmm. ragnarok mm -hmm. online there are several games like this that are really popular where you where you uh either via text or uh, via voice input you constantly speak to other people mm -hmm. and there's plenty of opportunity to do that no matter where you're based in the world as long as you have a good internet connection on the computer you can you can participate in these communities and not just playing the game there are online forums where you exchange uh you know strategies and you go and read up how to how to do this or how to defeat this monster you go and look on youtube uh so there are these whole sort of ecosystems around the games with loads and loads of language language input and language output potential so so of course these types of games can help you a lot then you have narrative games that are that are basically like interactive movies right and so of course if you if you if you play an adventure game where there's a narrative or you have to solve a mystery and you speak to different people and you choose what to say uh, there's a lot of language in there so you get a lot, lot of language input and sometimes you can practice language output as well uh, you get the you get simulation games like the sims for example they, they might be quite practical language in, in these types of games because in the sims uh, the, you build a house and you you know you have different uh, uh, appliances that you put in your house and different types of wallpaper and different patterns and everything has a name and if you're playing this game in english then you learn a lot of new english vocabulary That's potentially things right. that are useful yeah. right and um and then of course the cooperative face-to-face -face games like the one i chose for 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 this uh, research project um especially if i think if it's if there's uh, time constraints or time pressure then it puts you uh, it incentivizes you to produce language fluently and focus right. on meaning rather than focus on the form uh, so i think this is very useful as well i should what i want to say earlier was a lot of a lot of people working in game-based learning they they sort of take the opposite approach from what I did. And instead of saying like, let's just play for fun and forget about forget about the learning because the learning will yeah. just happen because you're practicing language all the time. They say, no, we it's it's more beneficial or maybe more more efficient if we do focus on form explicitly. So we play the game for half an hour, but then we have a 10 minute debriefing and we look at the specific, the most useful language, uh, you know, sentence uh, structures that we learned and the most useful vocabulary and maybe we encourage the student to go and study those words uh, and pay particular attention to them when they play the game again. So, so there are there are other approaches as well, um, and other research papers have been written on maybe the benefits of supplementing games with more traditional activities as well. Um, well, speaking of traditional activities, I mean, even during our, uh, this is not a video podcast, but I'm just showing Michael my my scribble pad that all I've right. been working on during the beautiful uh, during the <laughs> it certainly isn't uh you can tell i'm a doctor with this handwriting but the uh uh but i do this at home as well and so it, my traditional activities pen uh, so pencil paper and uh I'd, i i just keep random notes just all over my desk it's a, it's a bit of a mess and yeah, I, I came home one night and i found on the on the flip side of one of my pieces of paper also written in pencil was uh an algorithm that my eldest son had found for minecraft ah and it was it was it was written out long form with a lot of unique 
vocabulary that I know he does not know <laughs> in English. In how to, and I asked him like, "What is this?" And then he was telling me like, "This is a way to make a specific building with specific blocks mm -hmm. of, and including text." And you know, and I was like, "Oh, well, that is." And I, although I I like the fact that they play Minecraft rather than other, you know you know less constructive games like i've encouraged them to do it because i think it's a constructive thing to do and it yeah it's a creative thing to do i mean you uh, literally construct buildings and, and uh, exactly environments exactly. Uh, right but uh, but even unbidden he had gone and found this algorithm and inadvertently taught himself several you know fairly high level english mm. uh, english words and so i, I I'm, a, I'm a believer in in uh uh gamification of certain elements of language learning if the person is motivated to do it mm. and so and i've experienced that in my in my own life even though i'm like i say i'm not a gamer myself i don't i don't you know have a have a system or uh anything like that i i remember uh when i first came to japan um and i had money i was independent and i had money for the first time and yeah. uh i remember i went into a into a convenience store and behind the and um, behind the counter there was a PlayStation 2 yeah that was available for less than 30,000 yen so we're only talking about like $250 whatever whatever that is yeah um and I looked at it and I knew if I bought it then that that would be the I would lose interest in everything else because I I'd had <laughs> problems during university with uh with you know, management sims and things like that. Addictive and so I, I, substances, addictive games. I, <laughs> substances and games. And so, and I, I, I remember actively thinking, no, do not buy that. And uh, I think it's worked out okay. It's, uh, it's only been, it's only been 23 years since I made that decision, but I think it's worked out all right. Um, to finish. Never today's... too late to start. <laughs> PlayStation 5 just came out. <laughs> Yeah, I'll talk to the wife. Um, <laughs> uh, just to finish today's uh, interview, and this is it's slightly time relative. Uh, I can't help but uh, notice you got a bit of a accent there. Yeah. So you're from uh, South Africa, is that right? That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, any predictions for the upcoming World Cup? Uh, yeah, good question. <laughs> probably, probably South Africa will win. Uh, and uh, well, my only prediction is that England won't. So. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it's been very nice to uh, speak to you and uh, catch up with you. Just to, uh, as a, in a wider context, I, I've never actually worked with Michael, but we we shared a a common um, workplace in Ritsumeikan Asia Pacific University at different times, right? At different times, uh, but we've we've had the chance to catch up at. Uh, at uh, conferences and things like that and so mm. uh it's great to finally actually talk to you about your work because we we never get enough um time to talk about it and it's also a topic that i think is uh relevant and uh something that we haven't covered yet on the podcast so thank you very much for your time today michael the topic that we have been speaking about is attitudes towards digital game-based language learning among Japanese university students. We've been speaking with Michael Hoffmeyer from Osaka University. Thank you very much for your time and good luck with all your future work. And uh, thank you very much for having me today, Chris. It was great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you'd like to contact the show, the best place to find out about us is our website, 
lostincitations.com. Here you can learn more about the background to this project and how you can get involved. Our hope is to help academics, educators, and online content producers get in contact with each other. Our email address is lostincitations at gmail.com. We also have Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Please rate and comment on the sites you use to download your podcasts. It helps us reach more potential listeners. But probably the most helpful thing you can do is, if you like our content, recommend it to a friend and let them know what we're trying to do. Thank you very much. That was the other thing I wanted to say about the uh, about the game I, 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 that the game, the name of the game, like because because I'm British and we're kind of negative. I know that this game was designed by an American or a non-British person. It's yeah. like keep speaking and nobody explodes because in England it would be called if you shut up everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs>